Hello and welcome back to the Couple's Guide to Stranger Things podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Tom. And we're just a couple of super fans who met through our love of Stranger Things. In this episode we will be discussing Chapter 2, The Weirdo on Maple Street. Shall we dive in? Let's go. So I think the first thing to say is that me and Tom have both got a cup of tea and uh, Tom is finishing off his biscuits for our American friends, his cookies. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> um, so apologies for any background noise you may hear, but he is doing the very traditional British dipping his um, biscuits in his tea. So it should be fine. You should near a thing. <laughs> But You'll have no idea. But we're just setting the scene for you, you know. Yeah. Lays back on the sofa. Cheese grater microphone in between us. Yeah. Cheese in hand. Bicky's in gob. <laughs> most of that probably made no sense to most countries. You know, like when we have slang that we don't They'll get realize. used to it eventually. If they're faithful <laughs> listeners, which you should be, then you'll get used to it eventually. <laughs> so we'll start properly now. So, chapter two, The Weirdo on Maple Street. Now, this is probably one of my favourite episodes. Solely because it is the start of Eleven. Absolutely. Spot on. It's got some of the most wholesome scenes between Mike and Elle, I think. Yeah, exactly. It's truly the first time we see Mike... So, like you say, softening around her yes. compared to his friends. Straight away, there's no delay in... I'm sorry, people, but Tom's biscuit just broke in half. Thankfully, not into my tea like it usually does. <laughs> and I knew I was going to laugh. <laughs> but sorry, please continue. Yeah, Mike's yeah. voice changes. It's like suddenly tender. Straight away, there's zero delay in him sort of trusting girl knowing that she you know sort of getting that she's not lying yeah um yeah you know like believing every word she says and like you were saying two seconds ago as well before we started understanding what she's trying to say yeah through the lack of words yeah just through sheer facial expression or like you say through her eyes yeah, I I honestly, not just this episode, but really pretty much all of season one and especially season two when they're reunited, so much is said through the eyes. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And that is such a credit to Millie and Finn's acting. Yeah. And like you had said, Elle slash Millie doesn't have that many lines in season one. No, honestly, I think you could count them, count them on one hand. Probably, and she says so much with her face, especially her eyes. They're so expressive, and yeah, for me personally, I just find found that it completely drew me in. Yeah. Oh, same here. I mean, honestly, the casting crew for season one, they nailed it. Absolutely, they like, did. That's it. It's obviously we've seen Elle played by someone else in Secret Cinema, and she did a fairly good job yeah she did but really well you can't imagine these actors uh, these characters being anyone else no other than when it's a completely different thing like that but honestly I could know it wouldn't work yeah they just do it so so well and like we were saying about Mike trusting her immediately and Elle trusting him immediately there's so many moments in this episode that highlight that. Yeah. Straight from the beginning. Um, with even things like Mike saying to her goodnight and she's like, night, Mike. Yeah. Like she's saying more than we've heard her say before. Exactly, yeah. She's saying more words to him than anyone else. Yeah. And she's probably never said goodnight to anyone before. No. And like I had said to you, what I loved is that almost immediately... Mike understands what she's saying and that's no like disrespect to Benny but for with Benny it took him a while or he almost like he didn't truly believe what she was saying when he'd ask her stuff and she'd answer because he couldn't believe that 
probably that she'd gone through certain things or that her name could be Eleven. Yeah. But Mike just accepts it. Yeah. And he knows what she's saying. Like, it only took her one, like, tap towards her chest and he was like, your name's Eleven? Yeah. And yeah, he found it weird. You know, he pulls a bit of a face like, really? But he doesn't express that. He doesn't want her to feel weird or scared or anything like that. You can clearly tell he's immediately got this affection towards her. Yeah, absolutely. And that's it. And I've always wondered that, like, why he has such an affection towards her to begin with and Dustin and Lucas especially don't. And I just think, to begin with, I think it's just very much to do with their character um, and, like, how he's the... Am I saying it right by saying paladin? Or is it paladine? Paladin. Paladin. I think so, anyway. (laughs) Sorry to any really diehard Dungeons & Dragons fans that I may have just said the word wrong. But he is, like, the knight. You know, he he plays into that character, doesn't he? And he is the brave one and he's the sympathetic one and he wants to help and and like i'd said to you like i think some people could see mike in this episode and think has he forgotten about will yeah but actually i don't think it's that i think it's more the fact that he feels so helpless about will and he doesn't know what to do to find will that he's got this girl that he can actually help. Yeah. And he's like, oh my God, I can actually help someone. Yeah, exactly. It, it gives him a purpose. Yeah. And I, obviously, from what we know of Elle and what she's been through, I'm so glad that he is so kind to her. Yeah, that's it. We're, it's such a relief that she found Mike and not, yeah. like, Troy. Oh my God, I know. And... I just, it's so funny, isn't it? Doing a rewatch now that we are parents, and I'm not. I'm not saying people aren't empathetic anyway, yeah. but I can honestly say, like the first time I watched it, obviously we weren't together yet, and most certainly was not a parent yet. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember thinking, oh, that's sad, but I don't think I thought more than that. Yeah. But now that I'm a mother, I'm like, oh, I just want to give her a hug. I yeah. just want to put a warm blanket around her and, and rock her and say, are you okay? And it's going to be fine. And You're safe now. You're safe now. Like, you feel just such, like, a, a nurturing feeling towards her. Yeah. So it just, like, warms my heart that Mike is just so kind to her and talks to her so gently. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's like it's hard to understand where it comes from, in a sense, because you see what he's like towards his friends. Yeah. See what he's like towards Nancy. Yes. (laughs) And his parents, and then suddenly Al comes along, and yeah, he's just so gentle. It's like it opens up a new side to him. Yeah, it genuinely does. Completely swap his character. Yeah. And obviously, we know that they fall in love. So we know that there is that element that's potentially maybe brewing in the background. Yeah, I honestly probably believe, especially at that age, that he might not know it yet. No, I don't think he knows it yet. Because otherwise, I mean, I don't think the whole, yeah, well, she can knock the door, speak to my mother, and she can get her back to mm. the mental asylum and all of that. Pentest or wherever she comes yeah, from. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think he'd say that yeah. if in the background he knew, I actually love this girl, I can't let her go now. Yeah, no. I don't think so either, but I think sometimes, you know, like when you meet someone, it doesn't even always have to be love. When you meet someone and you're like, oh, they're my person or, oh, we really click. Yeah. It's kind of like that, I feel. Yeah, Like he's I think immediately so. like... I understand this girl. Yeah, exactly. And she trusts me by, by the yeah. looks of things. and Yeah, exactly. And that's it. I mean, in terms of trust building and all that, like you can't not mention the closet. Oh, I know, yeah. Like, that's it. Obviously, when Mike has to force her in there, she is so hesitant. Yes. Like, I think she can tell she's not in trouble or anything like that. Because um, obviously that's the only reason she's ever been thrown in the 
closet in the lab is when she's screwed up and Brenner's like, right, off you go. Yeah. Um, so I think she can tell she's not in trouble, especially with the fact that Mike is explaining, you know, I need you to hide in here or my mum will find you. Yes. Um, and then, yeah, but when he comes back and he's asking if she's okay and all that, I think that's when she truly truly then believes that she can fully trust this boy definitely and it's such again it's one of those heartbreaking moments isn't it because she's got like tears down her face and she's almost so surprised when she's just like Mike like yeah she's surprised that he's come back yeah she she can't believe that he's there and and he asks if she's okay and she says yes promise and it's yeah Oh. I think that is her first time believing that she is actually okay. Yeah, and oh, there's just so many moments in this episode, and and that really is us skipping ahead, really, to the closet scene because there's so much that happens before that. Like even with those first scenes in the basement, I said it was interesting how, obviously, you know, they persuade her to go into the bathroom to get dressed because she doesn't know any different. Yeah. to not get dressed in front of them which is oh it's hard to think about yeah. but when he says oh let me just shut the door this much I, I said to you didn't I that it reminded me it's of the... Hopper saying the door's got to stay open three yeah. inches keep the door open three inches <laughs> yeah so that gave me like a little smile because I just kind of thought oh that's a bit of a you know nod to the future yeah <laughs> without them even realising that that door's got to stay open. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, so that was quite a sweet yeah. moment for and me. Really. Can we talk about how Mike doesn't even feel awkward about that? No, like that's it. He he does accept so much that she says. Yeah, exactly. Like that. It, it, if anything's completely abnormal, yeah. Um, minus the fact that this girl's just been found in the pouring rain in the woods with literally just a shirt over that's her got and blood a on shaved it. head. And a blood, yeah, a bit of blood apparently. Um, then, yeah, the fact that she does not want the door closed while she's getting changed. Yeah, that, yeah. And he doesn't even feel awkward about it. He's just like, okay, keep the door open about this much, and I'm yeah. just gonna look away. Yeah, yeah. It's it's honestly, like I say, it is one of my favourite of the episodes because it just really starts the foundation of a a trusting, just beautiful relationship yeah exactly it really bud. sets the stone it really does and oh yeah it, it i just love it so much um and from that scene we kind of go back to joyce now and bless her she's not doing well she's gone she's she hasn't slept a wink no other than falling asleep on the sofa later on but and that's she, it yeah. it's like hopper comes along at that point as well and I said to you, I said, I wondered why he kind of discredits Joyce saying that she's heard Will breathing on the phone and and he sounded scared and she knows it's him and he says that he, you know, thinks it's going to have been a prank call and he's quite stern on that. Now that we say about her being so tired, I'm wondering, it, does he think that because he thinks she's hallucinating or something? Probably, that's it. And I mean, what she really needs to say instead of just breathing is that she could hear him whimpering yeah like you said because if it's just breathing then you know not not much voice is going to come through that it could be anyone yeah but if you hear a whimpering then you get a tone of voice yeah and yes it could just be any kid potentially but you're going to start to recognize it and i think you would with whimpering because we would recognize harry's whimper you know Exactly. A mile off, probably. Yeah. It puts the fear of God into us. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the moment, he is the only kid in the house, and we're not hearing it over a phone. No. <laughs> but, but yeah, I get exactly what you mean. When you hear a bit of a whimper that you've probably heard before. Yes. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, especially with that father. Oh. Um. Yeah, so I think she just needed to say a bit more than breathing, and that might have had... Hopper believe her yeah. potentially but you make a very good point about her being absolutely exhausted 
Yeah. She's probably at a point now where she's going to start hallucinating things. Yeah. And it's funny really how on the last episode I said how those first scenes of Joyce made me think she was an absent mother. While in this episode you think the complete opposite. You start to really get to know Joyce. You know, you see her love and her desperation for her children. But in the scene in Melvard's, when... Melvard's, Melvard's, <laughs> um, Her work, her place of work, when, you know, she says how long she's worked there and she's never took a sick day and all this kind of stuff. She's She's never done anything that would be detrimental to earning money. You yeah. know, for her family. Exactly, And yeah. when she says, you know, I don't know where my boy is. And, yeah, it's it just shows you her desperation and her love for getting her, her, child, her child back. Exactly, that's it. She's reached a point of desperation now that she's having to break that streak of ten years. Yeah. In work, never taking a sick day. Any of that, yeah, and like you say, she's at a point of absolute desperation, needing an advance, yeah, needing that phone, and there a pack and of camels, and a pack of camels. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a good scene. Like, honestly, they did hit the jackpot with so many actors, and that includes Winona Ryder. Absolutely, all of them. There's not a single actor I can fault, and that includes the jocks yeah. and all of them. Everyone plays into their character perfectly. They really do, and. I know that Winona Ryder was their only big name. Yeah. And so sometimes when things launch with a big name, sometimes that person can be quite disappointing and it's all the new actors that you're like, oh, wow. Yeah, but, but oh, that's no. it because you can see yeah. the other characters that that person's yeah. played potentially. But Winona Ryder is just pure gold. Mm-hmm. She's She has always been a phenomenal actress. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she just does it. She does it so much credit. She does. I, I just yeah I love them all and something I don't love is Egos <laughs> just to get us into the next one um, it made me wonder how bad the lab food must be for Elle to love Egos and I say that because when I went to Atlanta and I stayed with my lovely friend Megan she got me Egos because you can't get Egos in the UK I was so excited to try them. You know, they're such a big thing to Elle. And I thought they tasted absolutely horrific. <laughs> like cardboard is what you say. They literally tasted like cardboard. They do not taste like a lovely waffle. They really don't at all. I was so disappointed. So, yeah, when I see Elle just, like, gorging on these egos, loving them, I'm like, wow, the lab food must be really bad. <laughs> yeah, honestly. <laughs> But even like that scene is brilliant as well because that's the scene that we're saying when Mike's like, can you go to the front door and pretend you don't know me and all this stuff? And she just shows her kind of strength where she's like, no. Not a chance. (laughs) Not a chance, not doing it. I love that about her because she's so, so, so vulnerable in so many situations, in so many moments. And then you have those lovely sparks where she's just like, no. Yeah, exactly where she knows... Either she can or she has to take control. Yeah. Because if she doesn't take control, she's getting these kids and their parents killed. Yeah. So she's like, no, I I cannot, I will not. Yes. And she must explain more to Mike than we see off camera because when he later explains to Lucas and Dustin, he says more about the bad men and what they'll do and all that kind of stuff which she doesn't really cover she just kind of says bad men well I mean you know when she when he asks how much danger they're in she holds up yeah finger pistol yeah to say you know they will kill you yeah they'll kill me but in that moment she doesn't say about oh so you can't tell your adults because of this but then he later explains that to Lucas and Dustin saying you know we can't tell anyone because We'll get in big trouble, basically. Well, that's it. First of all, obviously, like they say, we weren't supposed to be out. No. So, you know, if we tell my mum, she'll tell your mum. And then, as Luca says, our houses become Alcatraz. Yes. I love that line. But... You had said really about Lucas as well. Yeah. um, Obviously, anyone who loves Malevan might dislike the way he... Acts towards Elm. 
the first. I mean, even if like your lover of Mike and Ella's relationship or not, it is uncomfortable and sad, you know, to hear him calling her a freak yes. and all this kind of stuff, like the weirdo and Yeah, exactly. And I mean I, I don't understand why he fear her in the way he says I wouldn't want her in my house and all of that I think he's seeing her as a huge distraction isn't he yeah um, yeah oh, definitely a distraction you know he makes that very clear mm. Um, and that's it I absolutely do in fact respect Lucas for just wanting to focus on finding Will yeah. you know that's he is a true friend yeah, and I mean, my God, he becomes that in the next in the next up seasons as well. Oh gosh, Lucas is a fantastic character. He's such a strong character, absolutely. But yeah, in this first season, there's a few moments where you're like, oh, oh my God, just stick with the party, Lucas. Yeah, just yeah. understand the bigger picture. Yeah, you know this superhero that you've managed to find will help you find mm. Will. But I think also it's understandable that L- Lucas doesn't know that at the no, time. No, of course like, not. We know it as an audience, but he doesn't know it. So No, exactly. So, yeah. And I'd love to go back to when I first watched it and try and remind myself what I thought of Lucas then. Yeah. I c- honestly can't remember. I think I just felt like he was just being a bit aggressive, really. Yeah, yeah. Like when he like shakes her and stuff and... I, I think I remember thinking he was he was being too aggressive, but I suppose it, it's he's over emotional because they have lost Will at this point. They don't know what's happened to him, um, you know, and and he probably is worried that they are straying from the cause. Exactly, and that's it. Will. In his mind, I suppose it's like any delay risks Will's life. Yeah, yeah, and and like I said, I don't think it makes Micah. A bad friend or anything like that that he is distracted with Elle but I think it's his way of coping I think so and by I mean, helping someone else while he can yeah and I suppose at the same time he's probably on the mindset of well I'm in the house anyway yeah not out looking for him right now what else can I do yeah I found this girl who needs help yes you know I doesn't stop me finding Will mm. but I can help this girl as well. And um, I think this would be a good point as well to go on to Elle helping them find Will. And obviously, in this episode particular, um, she recognises him in the photo. She points at him. Yeah. And that's kind of raised the question with us as to, you know, how does she recognise him? Because that's not really explained in the show. Yeah, I don't think it's ever explained in the show. Yeah. There is the comic... Yeah. Um, about Will's time in the Upside Down, but I don't know how canon they're considered. Yeah. Do you remember what how he sees her in there? I mean, we ironically we have it upstairs. We could just not be lazy and go get it, but <laughs> yeah, could. But that'd take time. Um, <laughs> and I remember the, the the she's rarely in there. Um, but he, I think he sees her from a distance. Um, and obviously she's not truly in the Upside Down. No. So I'm not sure how he sees her. Mm. But, yeah, there is a scene in that comic where you can see her in the background sort of watching what's going on and he notices her like, who's that? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not alone sort of thing. Yeah. But there's another person here. But then she just vanishes again, mm. if I remember right. As I said to you, my only kind of theory on this is that potentially... When she is sleeping, say when she's sleeping in the uh, the den that um, that Mike makes her that pillow fort, potentially when she's sleeping, she slips into the void and she sees him there, or she has gone into the void because she just can't help her curiosity as to what is going on now. Yeah, well, obviously when we're first watching this, we wouldn't know, but there's a moment where she accidentally slips into the void. In her sleep, in season two, episode seven, um, when she's with the Cali gang, yeah, um, I'm pretty sure she's watching Hopper in her sleep. Um, yes, yeah, she is. You're right. So we know that can happen, at least. Mm. And yeah, I, yeah, I honestly think it's either a case of that. Yeah, well, either way, I think 
rather than trying to find Will specifically, I feel like she might, whether on purpose or accidentally, be yeah. finding the Demogorgon. Yeah. Because obviously her finding the Demogorgon in the lab is what opens the gate. Yes. So she knows about that thing and can find it, no problem. So whether she's doing it accidentally or on purpose, if she's finding the Demogorgon at a time that it's near Will, she's going to see Will as well. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm with you along the lines of just seeing him in the void because of the Demogorgon. Yes. And then, yeah, seeing him in the picture and be like, oh my God, that's him. And the kind of shock on her face when she sees him in the picture, like her eyes widen and her like, mouth drops open, makes me think that she did think she was dreaming of him. And he, she's like, oh my God, he's a real person. Yeah, either that or a realisation of, oh, well, you... I can't remember if the what is friend scene is before or after the picture. Because if it's... After. Because they explain what a friend is when Lucas and Dustin are there but she only sees Will when she's with Mike okay okay so yeah she's whether she understands the concept of friend maybe or thinks he's family or something she realises that there's a link with this boy that's missing and being chased by the Demogorgon and this boy that's helping her yeah and that's it it's like kind of going of course a bit but just thinking about that scene with her seeing Will, there's so many lovely little moments of that day where Mike is trying to impress her. Yeah, which absolutely. is so cute. <laughs> it is, and that's it. It's that innocence of a twelve-year-old wanting to impress this new friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah this girl, and him not realizing that nothing. In that house means anything to this specific girl. Yeah. She doesn't care how big your TV is or the fact that it's like ten times bigger than Dustin's. Or that your dinosaur roars. (laughs) No, exactly. And the uh, Yoda impression. Oh, gosh. (laughs) But they're just... It's really wholesome moments again where... Like, for instance, she's on Ted's Lazy Boy chair and oh, he's like, trust me, you yeah. know, and it makes her laugh for the first time and they laugh together. That, uh, that laugh is beautiful. It is. It is just, it just warms your heart watching those scenes. Exactly, because that's it. That's probably the first time she's ever laughed in her life. Yeah, and at the moment, obviously, they're not in any any kind of romantic relationship, but I, I just don't see how you can't love their friendship their budding friendship at this point exactly that's it and I mean as it goes on it just grows so much and you can't deny that no no and oh I just think yeah well we both know that we think they are the most special couple ever yeah they are (laughs) But we will try and move on to other aspects <laughs> of the episode. Do we have to? Because, <laughs> you know, I suppose there were some other things. Just a couple of tiny, tiny, tiny things. Oh, I didn't notice them. <laughs> well, let me uh, refresh your brain. <laughs> <laughs> so the first one that we had noted down was about Brenner and the people from the lab um, arriving at the buyer's house. Um, I was curious about the kind of don't really know what to call them, but like liquid vines oozing on that bit of wall. Yeah, I don't even know if they were vines, but they were like little drips of some sort of liquid. Yeah. So I don't know if it's shed off the Demogorgon or if it's remnant from a gate. But it kind of had that that noise that the gate has, you know, that almost like breathing monstrous noise. Yeah, I don't know whether that's coming from it or if it's just Mm. sound effects, because we know it's come from the Upside Down slash the Demogorgon. Yeah, and so, yeah, I, I'm just not too sure what that's meant to be, and it's just it's just curious. I mean, I suppose it ends up being similar to, like, the samples that they take in Season 2. Yeah. Um, you I know, mean, to see what's going on. It could be as simple as it's some saliva from the Demogorgon. Maybe, but... Uh, like that, but yeah. But it just, it was interesting, because it's this kind of remnant, and it's, I suppose it's potentially growing, because when Hopper was there... He could kind of 
hear something or sense something yeah. but you couldn't really see anything. So that's it. I can't remember if we mentioned it in the last episode but you wonder if there's a slight lingerance of the gate that the Demogorgon opened yeah. in there when it took Will. Yeah. Yeah, it just it's just one of those moments that just really sparked my curiosity about what it was and yeah, I think most likely it is like a remnant left over but because that's now in our world just like how Dart was able to grow from a baby demogorgon I suppose these membranes of whatever they are could start growing and getting oh, bigger as well. Oh I see what you well. mean you wonder if they might grow and fester Yes and I think they are because when Hopper's in there only the day or so before he doesn't see it on the wall but no. he can kind of sense there's someone in the corner he goes over to the corner he's a bit like what is that and then gets distracted when um one of the other agents come in but the fact that it's grown now a day later i i do think that they must remove it but it's something that's going to grow and get bigger maybe wherever it ends up if it's back in the lab um so yeah so that was a moment and obviously jonathan going to see lonnie to see if will is there that's quite an important scene really because it just first of all shows what a deadbeat dad they have yeah. You know, like, Lonnie has heard all of Joyce's messages. And he's like, oh, I just assumed, you know, she lost him. Some, well, yeah. like, she, like, lost him for two minutes in a, in a shopping mall or something and then found him. Like, it's ridiculous. And then it gives us that lovely flashback scene to Will and Jonathan listening, do I stay or do I go now? Yeah. Um, And you had said, like, there's a lovely line that Jonathan says, which is... um. You shouldn't like things just because people tell you they're normal. Um, Something along those lines. We definitely haven't quoted that exactly. But yeah, that line is such a strong one, in my Mm. opinion. Because, yeah, it's... Jonathan knows he's not normal. Air quotes there. You know. And I think... I know what you're hinting at now is, like, is that a hint to Will from Jonathan saying... About his sexuality. Exactly. That's it. You know, right from episode one, Will's sexuality has been hinted at. Yeah. With Hopper and Joyce um, straight away. The whole, you know, um, people keep calling him slurs and all of that and Hopper just has, uh, well, is he? And Joyce never denies it. She just goes on and says he's missing is what he is. Yeah. So, because you know, she doesn't care either way. Exactly, as any good parent missing. should. Exactly. So there's that. And then, yeah, in this one, I do wonder if Jonathan is trying to hint at Will without being so direct. Yeah. That you are who you are. Screw what anyone else thinks. Yeah. We can't all be the same. Exactly. That would be incredibly boring. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so potentially um, it could be a little hint towards that. Because, yeah, it is something that they have built up since season one. And I know I'm skipping ahead, obviously, to season four here. But, you know, I wasn't surprised at all um, when Will came out as as gay. Because I was assumed he was from well, the beginning. Well, he hasn't in the show. He has. Of course he has. Not really. He's has in he? love with Mike. Yeah, but he, de- he hasn't said those words or anything like that. No, but... The as the audience, we've now been told. I see what gay. you mean. Yeah, no. When you said he came out, it was like I thought you meant like he outright said to someone no. in the show. No. I was like, that was Noah, not then, Will. Oh, I mean, I've known about Noah as well. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> but no, as well in season four, those moments. Yes, Will hasn't said. Oh, by the way, I'm gay, but we see him for the first time properly battling with it. Yeah, exactly, you know, that breakdown in the car. Yes, but also we see the way Jonathan looks at him. Yeah. Jonathan already knows. Jonathan knows. So potentially that talk in season one where he says those things to him might be to do with his sexuality. It might very well be. clearly Jonathan does know. Yeah, exactly. As you say, any good parent, any good sibling probably would know potentially yeah. before you yourself know yeah very possible and as Jonathan says he's not going to care nobody else should unfortunately it's the 80s they're going to care yeah. and I mean in the modern world some people still do but nobody should No, you are who you are 
Absolutely. You do you. You do you, people. <laughs> um, the only other things really we've got down was with um, Scott Clark, he finds a small fragment of Elle's hospital gown um, on the tunnel and Hopper sees that that tunnel leads from Hawkins National Laboratory. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I wonder what he is thinking at that time because it's almost like they've never even thought of that place before or almost never even heard of it. It's Yeah, it's kind of like you ignore its presence. Yeah, like they've all forgotten about it or something and then suddenly it's this huge imposing building with huge gates and walls around it and it's like oh yeah it's like okay yeah what does go on in there yeah what does go in there exactly so obviously that is as we all know gonna lead into much bigger things and yeah and i also wonder what's going through his mind in the sense of the fact that there is a bit of a hospital gown in there this tunnel is clearly too big for an adult uh, too small sorry for an adult to get through so it's clearly a kid yeah yeah if anyone but with where the hospital gown is, I wonder if he is wondering whether a kid has gone in to the lab or yeah. if a kid has escaped from the lab. Yeah. Because later down the line, I remember, yeah, he at the moment he truly thinks that this bald kid in Benny's was Will. Yeah, it could um, very possibly be Will. Yeah, exactly. Like he says, ignore the haircut. Could this be Lonnie's kid? Yeah. Um... And, yeah, exactly, that's it. If Will's been kidnapped, they could have easily shaved his head off. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, you have to ignore the haircut. But I do wonder if this is the start of him wondering if they're two different kids. And I know mm-hmm. down the line, what I was going to hint at there, there is a moment where Hopper does say, I think I've been chasing the wrong kid this whole time. Yeah. I thought I was chasing Will, but I'm chasing someone else. So I don't know how much he might be thinking this at the moment but I do wonder if it's the start of a hint towards this being two different kids for yeah him. that this is a much bigger picture yeah than he realised no it's yeah far bigger and really the only other of course standout moment in this episode is poor Barb uh huh <laughs> and it kind of links to this when Jonathan pulls up next to the police you know um signs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, the police tape by the woods where Will's bike was. Yeah. When he hears the scream from, I think it's Carol being pushed almost into the water or something, um, and he goes running, it it kind of proved to me what we were saying last, on the last episode, which is that the Demogorgon must have directly targeted Will, because Steve's house is ridiculously close to where Will drops his bike. Yeah, exactly. So it, that's it. If it, the Demog- takes, it takes Jonathan mere seconds. Yeah, exactly. So if the Demogorgon was just going for someone for the sake of getting someone, yeah, it could have easily just diverted over to the well, house. Yeah, towards Steve's house. So, yeah, so that definitely was something I had never noticed before or even no, thought me about neither. before. No, me neither. This is the beauty of a rewatch, people. When you've got the kind of knowledge from seasons one to four exactly even if it is your hundredth rewatch yeah every time you get a new bit of information from future seasons mm. or the play mm-hmm. <laughs> going back and rewatching, you think you know everything but when you rewatch it and you see these things happening you're like oh what if yeah and that's it and when you say about what if it did make me think about barb and what if she had gone to her car? But I truly feel that because she'd already had the cut, yeah. I think even if she'd gone to her car, the Demogorgon would have got her. I think so. And the other thing I think here now, um, obviously the Demogorgon is about to break through the wall mm. in the buyer's house yeah. with Joyce there. You were wondering if it does break through there, but then it can smell the blood from Barb. Yeah, um, so potentially goes out the back door. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <If you were. laughs> exactly. But I honestly think now, this is the first time I've thought this, but I honestly think Barb here has unknowingly saved Joyce's life. Very possible. Because uh, that's it. If um, 
if there were no blood for it to go for, whether it would have just got bored and gone home, mm. or if it would have been like, no, I'm getting you. It was going for Joyce. Yeah. And then that's it. If it did just, well, it did smell the blood. There's no debating no. that. It smells the blood. It would have been like, ooh, that smells tastier. I'm yeah. Go there instead. Oh, it's. I mean, obviously, of course, I'm so glad that I didn't get Joyce. But it's so sad about Barb. It is. That's it. She never wanted to go in the first place. It's very much like the Benny situation when we said that first moment Elle walks in, Benny is dead. Like, you know. Yeah. And it's the same with Barb. Like, the minute she gets to that house, like, she's never going home. Exactly. Well, no, I, I, that's wrong, really, to say that. The minute she cuts herself, yeah, she's never going Yeah, that's it. It's home. gone. That's it. If, yeah, if anything, the moment she picked up the can. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. She canned her life. And this is it, people. Don't give in to peer pressure. No. You never it, know it what will get will you killed. By a demogorgon, apparently. <laughs> um, but no, it is. Like, you could understand the Justice for Barb movement. Yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely. Massively, because it is such an unfair scenario. And that's it. Like, we haven't even got to, obviously, her, her death scene yet, because that's straight at the beginning of episode three. Yeah. Um. But we but we all know obviously what's coming. We do, and how that episode ended. Um, but oh yeah, it's so sad. And I just remember the first time I watched this. This was probably the moment. Well, more into I suppose episode three when we actually see the scene with the demogorgon and her in that empty pool. This was like the scene for me that probably frightened me the most so far yeah. with it. Where I was like, oh, can I watch this? Because this is freaking me out a bit. Because, mm-hmm. as you know, like I'm, I'm not really one for really scary things. And, no. And it is, it's, I mean, obviously we, we don't see the Demogorgon no. kill her. But the actress Shannon is, is so good that you truly feel her fear and her desperation and how she's not going to get away. She's at yeah. such a disadvantage already. Well, she's and, in the upside down at this point. She's done yeah she's done it's so sad it is it is it's just a horrible yeah horrible situation um but yeah but it leads us into the next episode and of course with barb's death comes a lot of revelations especially for nancy we're gonna get a big character change out of her exactly that's it it's like it's like she wakes up yeah in a sense you know will's missing and that and doesn't seem to have truly touched her yet. Not yet. It's not like a no. big issue to her at the minute. No, exactly, because she's still like, oh, I, I'm going to go hang out with Steve. Yeah. Why Why is Will missing locking me in the house? Yeah. That's not fair. And I'm not saying her empathy towards Jonathan in this episode isn't real when she goes up to him and says, you know, you are thinking no, about No, I think, I think she's still a genuine person. But, um, but I just truly think she thinks... Oh, he's he's just got himself lost. He's a silly kid. Nothing serious has happened. Yeah. I think she has made herself believe that because that's it. She's living in a bit of her dream world with Steve at the minute. Yeah, exactly. But then when Barb goes missing, yeah. you know, and Barb is Everything very much... Changes. Yeah, that's it. Barb is very much a perfect person and yeah. doesn't... Yeah, doesn't do stupid stuff. No. She's suddenly like, okay... First will now, Barb. What is happening? And of course, understandably, she feels incredibly guilty about that. Oh yes. Which, as we all know, still goes on into season two. I was just going to say that bit in the party, uh, yeah, where she's crying in the bathroom because of it. And she says in her own words, "We killed Barb." Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and this is the thing. Like, obviously, I wouldn't want it to be the result of Barb having to die. But this character that we're going to get now, Emerge of Nancy, is much preferable to me. Yeah. Like, she's so much stronger. Absolutely, that's it, yeah. I, I mean, you know, in Barb's own words, the bit, this Nancy at the moment who's falling for this, at the moment, jock character. Yeah. This isn't you, in yeah. Barb's own words. Yeah. That's it. Nancy, see, apparently. We're made to believe that Nancy's been this perfect grade character who's always been best friends with another perfect grade yeah. um, student and all of that. And then suddenly she's fallen for this jock who just wants to get in her pants. Yeah. And 
yeah, she's letting that turn her. She's becoming a party animal with them. Yeah. And all of that. And Barb's like, no, stop it. This isn't you. And then, yeah, I think the moment that Barb is gone, as well as Will, I think that sort of wakes Nancy out of her little dreamland with Steve. Massively, I think so. And she's like, okay, what is happening? Yeah. Where are these people? What's going on? Yeah. And I think really the only thing left to talk about from this great episode is how the production of the episode just makes it even better. Absolutely. And I mean, I think, I know what you're hinting at, something I always have to comment on when we watch this show (laughs) is the sound effects. Like, namely, whenever Elle uses her powers, it's like little bits that they didn't have to do. You know, they didn't have to add a bit of a synth sound effect whenever she uses her powers. But it just sort of amplifies how powerful she feels like the mere action of a door slamming but on its own seemingly yeah that'd be enough you know this door is slamming because Al is saying no again but that sound effect whenever the door slams because she's doing it with her mind it just as I say it absolutely amplifies how powerful this girl is yeah the sheer strength that just comes out of a mind yeah to slam a door across the room that's it like the sound effects the music just make the show they take it from like an 11 out of 10 to like 111 <laughs> exactly because it just adds so much and even like hopper looking up at hawkins lab like there was this synth music going on and it's like building up the drama and yeah it just, it just adds so oh, much to the atmosphere it really does and you know you that's that will i'm assuming be one of the things once you started watching that really drew you into this show because you love synth well you love 80s it's this music. show that really kick-started that oh really I, d- I don't think it was as strong before gosh so it was the way around pretty much wow, like, so... it, i think there must have been a lingerance because as yeah. i go back to old music that i liked i realized there's always an element of that in there yes you know yeah. like, like you say like we were saying before night rider yeah you know, I'd love that as a kid. Yeah, the kind and of if, shows you like have got that kind of synth in it or yeah. like eighties music. Exactly. And stuff like that. Exactly. And then I went through a phase as a kid where my mother's always listening to that kind of music and I'm like, Jesus Christ, turn it off. <laughs> um and now I love the same music. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it it was enough times that it's stuck in your head and now yeah, you love yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> and now I've completely changed. And yeah, I think if I remember right, it is Stranger Things that properly kick-started that. Like, I never yeah. used to be fussed about things set in the 80s or anything like that. And then this little sh- this little can-do show comes along. The love letter to the 80s comes along. Yeah, exactly. And it completely turns me around. And now I wish I could live there. <laughs> I mean, I'd miss modern well, technology. When you say that, I hope you mean just the 80s, not Hawkins. You don't want to live in Hawkins, people. I mean, as long as I don't run across a Demogorgon, or maybe I can help prevent the uh, four gates merging into one scenario, and then Hawkins can be safe, I don't know. <laughs> That's a big ask. Yeah, well... That's a lot that you've got to be doing with your, with your time. Yeah, I suppose. It, it's too it's too dramatic a place for me. Ironically, that, that quiet, sleepy town... Yeah, not much anymore. Not much. Yeah, especially by the sounds of it after uh, season four. So. Yeah, I don't think it's going to remain a sleepy town anymore. No. <laughs> even if it, if it is even a town anymore. God, I know. I can't wait to find all these things out. Oh, I know. But at the same time, we don't want to rush because it'll. I don't it's want to say last. it'll be over. Well, it's over in the sense of our current characters and storyline. Oh. We know... Well, I say we know. I'm sure they've confirmed that there are going to be spin-offs. Yeah. Now, who knows what that's going to be. Whether it's prequel or after or people during the same time period. Who knows how they're going to do that. But after seeing the play... Yeah. Like that, I said to you before, I didn't say this in our episode about the play, but 
before the play because it was a prequel and it mm. was going away from our characters except for the adults mm-hmm. but it was going away from the characters we know and love I was a bit sceptical yeah. in whether I'd like it or not um, but as a Stranger Things super fan I legally had to book those tickets <laughs> yeah, absolutely you had no choice I had no choice I, that's it I would not have slept at night if I let no. those tickets go so yeah after seeing that and that's completely away from the show in that sense. And we absolutely freaking love the show. Yeah. I'm confident. Whatever the spin-offs are, we might go into it thinking, oh, surely this can't live up to it. If it doesn't have Malevon, what's the point? <laughs> yeah. But the show didn't have Malevon. No, so... it didn't. And I do have a lot of faith and trust in the Duffer Brothers and especially if they used like Sean Levy again and things like you know like a lot of the same people that they yeah. use which I think they would because I, I think, think if you've would. got if you've got a strong team but I, I think, think you'll just continue to use them yeah as long as they're available and willing yeah uh, to yeah. participate and I think everyone I'm sure they would be I th- honestly think everyone involved in Stranger Things truly loves it and I know the actors are getting to the point where they're ready to move on yeah in some of their own words and I fully get that. Mm. Absolutely fully get that. You know, they've been, in the case of Millie, she's been locked into this show since she was 11 years old. Yeah. So. It's gotten beyond high school now, really. Yeah, exactly. And I say that because in in the UK, we go to high school at 11. Yeah. And we leave at, well, you can either leave at 16 or 18. So it's gone beyond it high has. school years now exactly. so I, I do get it when she says things like that it's hard to hear a bit because yes. it's so important to us and it is to her as well well that's it but she wouldn't have got the 11 tattoo on no. her arm for real <laughs> if it wasn't important to her she clearly exactly. understands this show is important to her this show made her yeah and this is it I, but I sympathise from the point of if we're going to liken it to high school being like, oh, I cannot wait to leave. Because I left high school at 18 because I did further studies there. And, yeah, I remember that feeling of, oh, I cannot wait to leave. And then when it was time to leave, it was really upsetting. Yeah. Leaving your friends and what you're used to. Well, that's for you. I couldn't wait to get out of that place. (laughs) You had a very different experience. Oh, (laughs) I hated it. But that's that's another story for another day. (laughs) Yeah, I won't get into it now. You'll get me rambling for another 52 minutes and 30 seconds. (laughs) So thank you everyone for listening to our episode today. Um, It has gone, funnily enough, a lot longer than I thought. I honestly thought this was going to be a really quick one because we didn't have that many notes. No, but this is the thing. When you've got two people who love Mike and Elle as much as we do and you've got an episode like this where you've got all these wholesome moments, it's going to happen, people. You get us talking about strange things in general, but you get us talking about Malevon. Then You're done for. You are doomed. <laughs> Never speak to us about Stranger Things unless you're as big of a super fan as us and are willing to spend the rest of your life talking about it. As long as you've got 84 years, we'll talk about it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Thank you everyone for listening and we'll be back soon with episode 3 rewatch. Yep, yeah, can't remember what episode that is right now. No idea. <laughs> we'll tell you then. Bye. Bye-bye.